and welcome to Manila Graphic Design Podcast, the show that advocates for the graphic design industry in Metro Manila. I'm your host, Bridge, and today we're going to talk about legalities and intellectual property rights with Attorney Janice Tejano, the Director and Chief Driver of Benilde Center for Intellectual Property Management Office. In this episode, Attorney Janice discusses the different types of intellectual property rights, protecting your work online, and answered a few legal questions that you sent in. This podcast is part of an undergraduate thesis study that explores podcasting as an educational platform. It integrates arts management knowledge and practices to respond to the current needs and issues related to the graphic design industry in the Philippines. Without further ado, here's episode 1. Can you give us a brief refresher or introduction on what the intellectual property rights are here in the Philippines? Just by the term intellectual property, it has two concepts, okay? Intellectual and property. So when you say intellectual, we are referring to creations of the intellect or the mind. It's considered as property, just like land, building, cars, your personal property like your laptop, your phone. This covers creative outputs of the intellect which have a value as property. Like other properties I've mentioned, you can transfer ownership, you can lend them out, you can donate them, and you can license them. So when we speak of intellectual property, we're talking about an intangible kind of assets. Unlike real properties such as building and land which are you know visible and physical intellectual property are considered as intangible assets because you cannot really uh, see them physically but you are still talking about certain proprietary rights proprietary rights which you can transfer you can donate you can sell you can lend you can borrow and all that just to add to what you said Can you give us a few examples of what are the intellectual property rights here in the Philippines? Of course, you have copyright, deals with everything that is a product of literary, artistic, and scientific domains. Copyright is unique because unlike other types of IP, you don't need to register or file an application in order to obtain copyright. Under our intellectual property law, you can gain copyright or you have copyright at the time of expression of the work. What is also unique about copyright is it requires expression and originality. So meaning, once you expressed or you you manifested your idea in a tangible form, whether you write it, you draw, you, you, know, you sing, you record music, you create a 3D object. So as soon as that is put together, then there is already copyright to that. Okay? And you don't need to file an application with the IPOFIL. Um, there is a process with the IPOFIL called copyright deposit, a process that is with the National Library and the IPOFIL also assists in the registration of copyright. But it is not literally the registration which grants the copyright. It is merely a deposit of copyright. What you get from this process is a certificate of copyright deposit 
which is a useful legal evidence of your copyright ownership. Now, the next type of IP that's also important is patents. Patents are applicable to inventions. This can be a product, a process, or an improvement of a product and a process. This is a bit tricky and requires certain formalities, unlike copyright where you don't need to file. But for patent, there are formal requirements and procedures. So when filing a patent, you need to get the help or assistance of a patent expert, a patent attorney, or somebody who has technical knowledge of filing patents because you will need to prove the novelty of your invention, meaning it has never been done before. Also, you need to substantiate the industrial applicability or the usefulness of your invention. So, of course, there are so many good examples on patents. So, medicine, for example, this vaccine on uh, COVID-19, this will definitely be a race for the patent. Patent follows the first-to-file rule, meaning the applicant who first files a patent application will get the priority. If in case there are similar patent applications, then the first applicant will uh, get the priority in the processing of the application. So it's a tangible asset, okay? Another one is trademark. And trademark is related to brands. For example, if you have a business or you have a product, and of course, you normally would come up with a brand name for your product or for your service. Uh, The function of trademark is to identify your product and separate it from the rest. So it will actually identify the source of the product and owners of the trademark have exclusivity to the mark for a certain number of years. Actually, among the different types of IP, trademark can be considered as perpetual because its period of protection or the duration is 10 years, but you can renew it continuously for periods of 10 years. So your brand is a well-known brand or you foresee that it will become a well-known brand, then it's very important to apply for a trademark. So similar to a patent, there are formalities to be um, considered. You have to file an application. Your trademark or your proposed trademark will be examined and you will have to wait for the results. Other types of IP, you have industrial design, which is an IP that applies to design, to aesthetics. Okay, so it should not involve the functionality of the object but merely the design of the object so this is normally applied for example is personal items like bags shoes um, or you know anything kitchenware accessories so if you are a jewelry designer for example you're a bag designer um, you can apply for industrial design for your designed object And you also have utility model, also a type of a design patent, similar to industrial design. But the difference with utility model, although it has similar requirements to patent, but in case you are not able to meet the strict qualifications for patent, there may be room to apply for a utility model. So a utility model also considers the functionality of a certain invention but the requirements are not as stringent as patent. Those are the basic uh, types of IP. Again, you have copyright, you have patent, 
you have trademark, industrial design, and utility model. There are other relevant types of IP such as geographic indications. This is essentially labeling a certain product as coming or originating from a certain geographic region. In Philippine law, currently we still apply the trademark process. Others, traditional knowledge, a growing area in intellectual property. These are your cultural expressions of tribes and indigenous communities. These are their cultural practices, art. Okay, that's all part of traditional knowledge. That's also considered as IP. So let's move on to our next question, which is what are the intellectual property rights for graphic designers? Knowing who owns what, when, and for how long? From my understanding, these are part of visual art. So when you create a graphic design, this is a visual creative work. This will fall under the trademark and copyright. Okay, why do I say trademark? Because if the graphic design has a purpose of distinguishing the product, uh, let's say you create an icon or a logo or a certain symbol, and your intention is to make that symbol or icon to be the distinguishing mark of your product, then that means that you should apply for a trademark. Because your purpose is to identify the goods using that icon. Okay. Now, you can also apply copyright because generally copyright applies to artistic works, visual artistic works. So again, for copyright, there is no need to register it formally. But for trademark, you do have to register it formally. So for trademark, a successful trademark registration will entitle the owner to exclusive rights of 10 years, which you can renew for successive periods of 10 years. Now for copyright, the general rule is that for copyrighted works, the term of protection is lifetime of the creator plus 50 years from death. So that's quite a long term of protection. I believe for graphic design, those are the two most applicable types of IP. Someone asked, where do you draw the line between copyright infringement and making a design inspired by another's work? This is when you use another person's art as a peg or use the detailed or specific art style of another person. So when you talk about copyright, you have to remember that what is being protected by law is the expression. Expression. How you presented the art. The process or the idea or let's say the medium that you use can be a medium that is similarly used by others. But when you talk of copyright, what is protected is the originality of expression. Even if you were inspired by the work of someone, but if your expression is still unique, meaning you cannot say that it's an exact copy of the expression of another artist, then that output, that work, is still worthy of a different copyright. And you can still claim originality to it. Now, if there is a possibility or there is a risk of copyright infringement, the best practice would be to ask permission from the artist 
that inspired you or who inspired you. And perhaps you can also give an attribution to the artist who inspired you. So that's always a rule of thumb in copyright, especially if you are going to commercialize your work, meaning if you're going to earn from that piece of work and you were inspired by the work of someone else. So if there's a huge similarity, you may want to reach out to the source of the inspiration and to ask permission from the artist. There's what you call in copyright as derivative works. When you say derivative works, generally this means making an adaptation of an existing work. Let's say the artist was inspired by the poetry of Lang Lib. You were inspired by the poetry, but your expression of the poetry is in the form of an abstract illustration. So those are two different works. And although you were inspired by the work of someone else, your expression is original because it is not the similar expression as the poetry. It really depends on your expression. So if it is an original expression, it is still entitled to a separate copyright. And you don't need to worry about copyright infringement. If you are somehow worried about copyright infringement, then the best practice is to ask permission from the owner and give attribution to the original artist. It's not an or, it's an end. So you ask permission and give attribution. If unless the artist says, no, you don't need to attribute me. And of course, when you ask permission, when you reach out, it's important to document that so that there's proof that you actually obtained permission. So moving on to our next topic, which is on protecting your work online. Somebody asked, how should you protect your work from being stolen by other people? With the increasing number of social media users, how should you properly approach people or accounts using your original design, either used as social media posts or selling them for merchandise? So I know that young people like to share their work on social media, but at the same time, I also observe that some artists, they react when their work is used without their permission or when they are not attributed for their work. And my advice is that, especially for designs and artworks, illustrations, drawings, practice the habit of putting a copyright notice to your work. So if you're familiar with the um, copyright symbol C, you put your name and then the year you created it and then all rights reserved. Actually, if you put copyright notices to your work, then it informs the audience that, okay, this work is copyrighted. And therefore, I should not use this without the permission of the owner of the work. So you are leading the audience to you to ask your permission. When you keep it anonymous, when you don't identify yourself, then the audience would not have an idea from whom to get permission. Is CTTO, or credits to the owner, enough compliance to copyright? The answer is no, because in order not to be liable for copyright infringement, the basic requirement of the law is you should have obtained permission or consent. So when you say CTTO or credit to the owner, possibly you are free from plagiarism. You will not be charged for plagiarism, which means that you are not claiming this work as yours because you said credits to the owner. 
However, you are not free from copyright infringement because copyright requires you to ask permission from the owner before using the work. As an owner, your um, best practice there is you should identify or put a copyright notice. So you can also provide a simple instruction. If you want to use this work, please reach out to me, how to contact you, and so on and so forth. For the users, then you should scrutinize if the work that you want to use or post on social media is actually a copyrighted work because the last thing you want is to be charged for copyright infringement. And as I've mentioned also earlier, if you want to do a step further, you can do the copyright deposit uh, so that you will have a certificate as evidence of your ownership of the copyright. Okay, for the certificate of copyright deposit, it is not that long. You will be required to submit a copy of the work that you created. That's what you need to deposit together with a form. You will pay a minimal fee for the deposit as well. And it will take about a month or less to get the certificate. In addition to copyright infringement, what if someone already copied your work and removed your watermark or copyright notice? What are the steps on dealing with this issue? If somebody infringes your work, assuming that you do not have a copyright deposit certificate, if you are the original creator, then you should have a way of proving that the original work comes from you. Uh, this could be a digital stamp, your original file. There is an old practice that artists also do, which is they mail a copy of the work or they mail the work to themselves or they email it to themselves when the work was created so that there is a tracking of some sort. So there's that type of technique that's being used for quite a while now. Your best proof is a copy of your original work, an edited work. That's your best evidence. And how do you proceed or how do you start the process? Well, of course, you want to first try to exhaust efforts to reach out to the person who used your work without your permission. Because especially with the technology nowadays, with the sharing culture that we have, we don't really know where this person got that content or that image or that design. Of course, it's not your responsibility. It's not the artist's responsibility to trace where it came from. The best thing to do is reach out to the person, inform the person that it's your original work and that you did not give permission for the use of that work for either non-profit or for a commercial purpose. So you document that properly if you can. You document that, use email, or if it's a social media messaging, make sure to make copies of it. Now, if the person especially used it for commercial purposes, profiting from your design or from your work, and the person did not respond to you when you reach out to them, then you can take the next step, which is to file a copyright infringement case with the IPO field. So you can actually go to the IPOFIL or now because uh, their services are online, you can reach out to IPOFIL, you can file a complaint. And actually very new, IPOFIL also has an application. They just launched it wherein you can report. I think the name is IPOFIL Mobilis, but you can look it up. It's on their website. The purpose of that app is to immediately report infringement activities so that it's immediately report, IPOFIL can take action. 
again, the, the initial step is to diplomatically reach out so that you will also know if the other person can take it down. And normally, if there is an acknowledgement of some mistake or error, then the other party would normally take that down. But if it becomes difficult and you don't get a response, and especially if there is commercialization, the other party is profiting from your work, then you can file a copyright infringement complaint. Moving on to our last topic and questions related to legal and freelancing, someone asked, how do you make a strong legal contract? Uh, my answer to this is it should be simple and straightforward. And as an artist, a contract is a mutual agreement. The parties have the freedom to agree to the terms of their contract, including the intellectual property rights. So as I've mentioned earlier, IP is property. And like any other property, the owner of that property can decide to keep the property or to give up the property or to just, you know, lend the property. And one of the important things that I think really needs to be emphasized is that IP is separate from the physical object. So, for example, if you're a graphic designer and you create a design, uh, that design Let's say if it's an illustration, that is just the physical aspect of it. But the copyright and the trademark, if you applied for a trademark, that is separate from the physical drawing or illustration that you provided to your client. So it doesn't mean it is not automatic that when you are hired as a freelance artist or graphic designer, it doesn't necessarily mean that your client will own the IP to the design. Okay, because it's possible that the parties will merely agree that it's only the design that is being owned, the physical design that is being owned by the client. If your client is a restaurant, for example, so your agreement could be, okay, where are you going to use this design? I'm going to use it for my signage. I'm going to use it for my menu. I'm going to use it for my placemats, etc. All the you know dining collaterals or utensils that I have, I'll have it printed there. So you can specify it in the contract. You're talking about the physical aspect of the work. But the intellectual property, the parties can agree that it will remain with the artist. That is the concept of a commissioned work. Because in a commissioned work, the concept is that the artist retains the intellectual property. It's really just the output that you are giving to the client. It's the physical work. So similarly, the artist can also agree to transfer the intellectual property right itself. Not just the physical output, but also the copyright or the trademark. You can give that to the client. Of course, it is subject to what you will agree on in terms of the compensation. Because if you give the IP, then the consequence of that is that the client has now the freedom to exploit that design further in any way that they want. So it's not limited to what you've agreed on. They can, you know, edit it out. They can change colors and so on and so forth. So they have flexibility since they own the IP already. Another person asked this common question. What if my client doesn't pay? What are my remedies? 
the important thing is that you were able to establish a contract, especially if it is a service that you are going to render. You have to put this in writing. And I know that especially for us Filipinos, it's part of our culture, no? We have this mahia in culture or we're very, you know, we're very respectful, we're very considerate of other people's feelings. So we tend to do things verbally, especially if it's our friend, our relatives. We do verbal contracts, but the best practice is to write this down, okay? Just a simple contract like, okay, this is what I will do for you. Make it specific and then this is the amount that you will pay me. Um, and if you can, the best is to have it notarized, okay? Um, it doesn't have to have a very formal structure as long as the essentials are there. And then you can have that notarized and that will be a very good support in case that your client does not comply with the terms of your contract, you can file civil remedies in court. It's a legal action uh, for damages, to claim money. You can actually file that. So your basis is the contract. I would advise that before doing any type of work, always start with a good contract. And finally, for our last question is that are there any workarounds when your services are not yet registered as a business? There's no workaround. <laughs> Just think of it this way. If you want to get good clients, clients who can really pay for your work and get clients who know or understand the value of art, these clients, they are also registered people. Meaning, if they want to buy art or spend art, they also need to get documentation that they are dealing with a legitimate artist. They will ask for a receipt if it's a business. They want to, you know, recover that expense. The only way they can do that is if they have a receipt for the payment that they've made. So if the artist is looking at that direction to get bigger clients, then you have to expect that these clients who are also doing business, they will need to get a receipt or a document from you. And the only way for you to be able to issue a receipt is to register, okay? It's not really that hard to register. You only think that it is hard. But I guess because it's going to be a continuous there's a maintenance, meaning if you register, you will have to do certain compliances for, you know, as long as you practice, as long as you render services, you need to do regular reporting, regular payments, regular compliances. But it should not be the hindrance for not registering. I guess what I want to emphasize is that you will be missing a lot of opportunities if you don't take that step of registration. I know it's a bit tedious, but if I'm not mistaken, the Department of Trade and Industry, the DTI, has uh, many programs for you know young entrepreneurs, for startup businesses, which are intended to help new entrepreneurs to expedite or to simplify the business registration process. So you guys might want to check that research on the DTI's programs because uh, the DTI is really promoting entrepreneurship, especially for the SMEs. And that includes the work of artists. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you found this episode to be useful. Follow the Instagram page to learn more about this campaign at MGD Podcast. I hope you stay tuned for the next episode where I'll be talking to young graphic designers and artists.